Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Happy Memorial Day. Not that it really matters because hardly any of you guys are on vacation and what is a day really? Time means nothing. We're living in hell. (laughs) And while we're at it, let's, I mean... I feel like I have to talk about this Lana Del Rey situation that happened. It's been happening since Thursday. Uh, She keeps stepping in it. I just want to offer my perspective as a black woman about what she said. Okay. So let's just get into her initial post. She posted this on Thursday. Question for the culture. Now that Doja Cat, Ariana, Camila, Cardi B, Kehlani, and Nicki, uh, Minaj, and Beyonce have had number ones with songs about being sexy, wearing no clothes, fucking, cheating, etc. Can I please go back to singing about being embodied, feeling beautiful by being in love even if the relationship is not perfect, or dancing for money, or whatever I want without being crucified or saying it's, I'm glamorizing abuse? There's like six question marks after that. I'm fed up with female writers and alt singers saying that I glamorize abuse when in reality I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities. Oh no. The thing just went away. Ugh. You guys. (laughs) 
It just froze. I hate these websites with these pop-up ads. Oh my God. Okay, let's start over. I'm fed up with female writers and alt singers saying that I glamorize abuse, but in reality, I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities of what we are all seeing are very prevalent, emotionally abusive relationships all over the world. With all the topics women are finally allowed to explore, I just want to say that over the last 10 years, I think it's pathetic that my minor lyrical exploration detailing my sometimes submissive or passive roles in my relationships has often made people say that I've set women back hundreds of years. Uh, Let's see. Uh, let this be clear. I'm not a femin. I'm not not a feminist, but there has to be a place in feminist for feminism for women who look and act just like me. The kind of woman who says no, but men hear yes. The kind of women who are slated mercilessly for being their authentic, delicate selves. The kind of women who are their own stories and voices taken away from them by stronger women or by men who hate women. I've been honest and optimistic about the challenging relationships I've had. Newsflash, that's just how it is for many women. And that was sadly my experience up until the point that those records were made. So I just want to say it's been a long 10 years of bullshit reviews up until recently, and I've learned a lot from them. But I also feel I feel, excuse me, I also feel it really paved the way for other women to stop putting, quote, putting on a happy face and to just be able to say whatever the hell they wanted to in their music. Unlike my experience, where if I even expressed a note of sadness in my first two records, I was deemed literally hysterical as though it was literally the 1920s. Anyways, none of this has anything to to do about much, but I'll be detailing some of my feelings in my next two books of poetry, mostly the second one, Simon & Schuster. Yes, I'm still making personal reparations with the proceeds of the books. To my choice uh, of the Native American Foundation, which I'm very happy about, and I'm sure there will be tinges of what I've been pondering in my new album that comes out September 5th. Thanks for reading. Happy quarantining. What? (laughs) She received a lot of backlash, namely from women of color and people of color for mentioning the mostly women of color and Ariana Grande, you know, women of color adjacent Ariana Grande, um, right off the bat, right? It seemed like very coded language. You know, if Alice and Roman walked, Lana Del Rey fucking ran with this. Here's my two issues. I think the general overarching issue is that like, You do not have to mention other people in a negative way to prove a point of why you were not successful, why you have not been hitting the benchmarks that you've been making, why you are not allowed to, in your words, be your authentic self, uh, to be delicate, to be soft. Um, These are words that I will be coming back to later. I don't think it's necessary to make the point. If you want to say, I, you know, when I first came out and really up until recently, people lambasted me for being this delicate woman. You know, I never felt that way. I was a fan of Lana Del Rey, like from jump. I never felt like, I never got the impression that she was glamorizing, um, abuse or whatever if anything I thought she was 
a bit of an industry plant and was um, building a brand off of like nostalgia, a bygone era, if you will, but whatever. Certainly she reads way more articles about herself than I ever will or what, right? <clears throat> so that's being said about her fine. Why you have to bring up Camilla and Cardi B and Kehlani, women who I'm probably less familiar with their catalog, but I have seen certainly Beyonce has an entire album about albums really about, um, you know, like not being respected in her relationship, feeling lost, feeling like, you know, all of these things that Lana is saying that she does. I feel like Ariana has been very open about her, um, mental issues, uh, her depression, loss, um, romance. I feel like Kehlani and all of these women that she listed have, have mentioned this. Cardi B has a whole song called Be Careful, like, be gentle with my heart, you know, like, all of these things, all of these attributes that she's mentioning are being like the pinnacle of what it is to be Lana Del Rey. They're all, I guess she's trying to say that like, and I, I, you know, she's written three times about this. So we'll get into the whole thing, but like, I, I don't see why you would have to bring up anybody, even if she brought up all white women. I don't understand why she would have to talk about anybody to make her point. Make the point of, I, here's what you should have said. When I first came out, people lambasted me for being, for glamorizing abuse, for, you know, glamorizing whatever, negative things that women are not allowed to be. Being soft, not being strong and empowered and, and, you know, having these relationships where men treated me some type of way. And now I feel like there are women that are able to do that and they're much more successful to me than me. And when I feel like I've paved the way for them to, to be able to do that, right? Okay. If you want to make that argument, fine. But it's also like, where are we allowing nuance for like, maybe people just don't fuck with you like that? (laughs) maybe people just don't care maybe it's not like about you know maybe there are critics who've made that that criticism and I I could see it but there's also like are critics really coloring our views on artists these days like you either fuck with the music or you don't and maybe people just don't fuck with you on that level and maybe You need to have a conversation with the powers that be, the labels that you're in. Maybe you should, um, you know, talk about how maybe you're not being marketed correctly. And maybe you should talk about how people aren't advocating for you in the right way. Maybe you should talk about how the very obvious fact that, like, even though you are relatively new of an artist. I mean, not, I mean, it's just like 10 years in the game. So relatively new, but even like, if you're talking about 10 years ago, that feminism was not at the place 
that it is now. (laughs) That to me is what the big argument that could be made is that like, maybe people just weren't ready for you at the time and they just haven't caught on. That I think is what the really big issue is. But also Lana Del Rey is a very successful woman. It's not like she's, you know, performing in in like boutique uh, venues or anything like maybe her music doesn't lend itself to stadium level audiences maybe I mean there are a whole bunch of factors than having to point to any number of artists regardless of their race and and say that like I've been doing this before and how come they get to be, uh, you know, how come they get to have number one songs about being sexy, about wearing no clothes, about fucking, about cheating, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm so soft and gentle and where's the space for me? Like, you know, like, of course, of course there is, you know, a, a, an argument to be made about like, We should be celebrating the full spectrum of what it is to be a woman, of what it is to be feminine, of what it is to, you know, to not always be the badass and to not always be the woman who's like clapping back at her man and getting back at him or to not always be like openly sexual and be open with your sexuality and busting it wide open And there are women that don't do that and are not that. And that's okay. And we should be able to celebrate that. Of course. But what does this have to do with Ariana Grande? It doesn't make any sense to me. What does this have to do with Kehlani? I think a woman who who isn't wearing no clothes. I think she has been very clear, clear about like she's a queer artist. She, I don't recall ever seeing a picture of her where she was not wearing fully covered, not that it fucking matters, but like all of these people are not like, and who's Camila Cabello in this world? I mean, we, we stay making jokes about this girl. Yeah, she's very successful, but it doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, maybe you should, maybe if you want to bring up Camila Cabello, that would be fair. (laughs) <laughs> talk about her I would say that you are wildly more talented than her and maybe it doesn't make sense that you are are not as famous as she is not as successful as she is you don't have a number but maybe it's just like you're just like a niche artist and that's okay and you've been very successful in being that sort of niche artist like you've paved your own path And maybe you haven't had a number one, but like Nikki didn't have a number one song either until a couple weeks ago when she hopped on the the Say So track with with Doja Cat. You know, like Beyonce doesn't get number one um, singles. She is a huge artist, but she's not a radio artist. She's not like a, a, you know, like, you know, like. It's not her priority to be be like number one on the billboard charts. That's just a fact. She's an album artist. Um, And, you know, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Like, has Kehlani had a number one? I don't know. 
<laughs> so this brings me up to my my second point is that like much like Alison Roman, it here's a thing that I think white people don't often understand is that black people and women of color, people of color do not want to bear the burden of calling something racist or problematic. Do you know how much emotional labor comes with that? Like I don't want to call people racist, but if you are, that puts more burden on me than it does on you because that makes me think it puts you in this category of being a type of person that just doesn't fuck with me. That does not feel good. I do not take joy and I don't know black people or people of color who take joy and enjoy calling people racist because you know what that means it means you have a an inherent hatred fear dislike of who I am at my core something that I cannot change and I don't it does not feel good to call people I have never taken joy out of calling somebody racist is not a fun thing to do (laughs) but you have to call it out because if you don't call it out then it just perpetuates and it allows people to think that that sort of rhetoric and that sort of behavior is okay and it's not fun a fun thing to do it is a necessary thing to do I would love to not call anybody racist for the rest of my life it would be great. But if I do that at this stage in the game or at any point in history, all I'm doing by my silence is letting people know that it is okay. So you got to do what you got to do, right? (laughs) You know, like nobody wants to do that. But here's what you have to understand that there are levels. So here she goes on to say, something else okay it's just okay so okay so here's an article hours after posting a controversial instagram post lana del rey has responded to continued criticism on thursday may 21st the singer garnered ire on social media for a letter that she wrote that implied doja cat ariana grande camilla cabello Cardi B, Kaylani, Nicki Minaj, and Beyonce haven't experienced the same level of criticism that she has for writing about sex, love, and power. Um, for her response, Lana said that her comments were, quote, twisted and defended the way she, her comments were interpreted. So this was not like a post that she wrote. This was comments that she was like replying to people in her Instagram. Um, she clarified why she mentioned those artists in particular saying I fucking love these singers and I know them. That's why I mentioned them. I would also like to have some freedom of expression without judgment of hysteria. She continued noting that the group included her quote favorite singer saying, excuse me, if you want to try and make a bone to pick of that, like you always do be my guest. It doesn't change the fact that I haven't had the same opportunity to express what I wanted to express without being completely decimated. And if you want to say that has something to do with race, that's your opinion, but that wasn't what I was saying. She added that it was sad that people were making this a quote, women of color issue. She argued that her comments had nothing to do with race. I don't care anymore, but I don't, but don't ever, ever, ever bro. Call me racist because that's bullshit. 
for her quote last and final note on everything she noted when I say okay she also mentioned people that look like her in one of her comments um let me see what she said oh I can't find it <sighs> damn it I can't find it let me let me pause and we'll come back Okay, for some reason, I can't find the exact quote, but she goes on to say, When I said people who look like me, I meant the people who don't look strong or necessarily smart or like they're in control, etc. It's about advocating for a more delicate personality, not for white women. Thanks for the care and comments, though. Be helpful. Okay. <sighs> what? <laughs> this is stressing me out because, okay these are your favorite artists, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I also like, I don't think anybody, a Lana Del Rey fan or any of the women that she mentioned, they're not even in the same genre of artistry, of musicians. So if you want to make an argument about how all these women who aren't doing what you're doing are succeeding, maybe you should talk about people who are in your category, but you can't because you're probably the queen of your own genre, whatever you want to call your genre of music is. She's not a pop girl. She's not doing what they're doing. She's not a dancer. She's not whatever. And if she was, then all of these are women who have had to deal with criticism and backlash with their work. You can't tell me that Beyonce hasn't dealt with people um, trying to boycott her, trying to talk about how she's a racist, trying to talk about, you know, like, whatever. Cardi B gets trashed all the time for her behavior and, and for how she moves through the world. Same with Ariana Grande. Um, you know, these women are, like, to act like any of these women that she mentioned have not, like, had any sort of criticism on the work that they do and the, the music that they put out is, like, laughable. And I think it really speaks to, like, I don't know why you would, like, oh, I'm just naming these people because they're my favorite artists and I fucking love them, okay? But, like, they're not the same artist as you and they're not... It doesn't, it's not even a valid argument to be making. Like, just center it about yourself. If you're mad that people aren't fucking with you on the level that you think that they should be fucking with you, look within yourself, girl. Look within how you move through the world. Look it through, through like the message that you're sending. And I don't think that people aren't, that you're not as successful even though I think you would probably be way more successful than like a Doja Cat, like, right? <laughs> um, and Kehlani, um, you know, Kehlani damn near killed herself because of the backlash that she was received, um, not as an artist, but like with her relationships. So I don't know, like, to and like, when she said she was, you know, like had had these suicidal ideations, like, she got roasted like hell for that. And so all of these women, I would say, have been more criticized than you and do happen to be more successful. And it's not because of the, it's not because of the type of feminism that they subscribe to and that you subscribe to some sort of like new 
third wave feminism, as she, as she put, even though there is already a third wave of feminism, that you, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't understand what her argument is. She isn't articulating it well. And for you to be like using as as promo for like your new poem book, poetry book, and your new album is like you're completely overshadowing it by making these dumbass statements and acting like you don't have any idea why people find found your comments to be problematic, found them to be racist. And so then she went on and did a third <laughs> A third statement about all of this. So there was the initial statement, the clarification of what she meant, and now she did another Instagram post. It goes on to say, a couple of final notes on my quote, controversial post that's not controversial at all. Despite the feedback I've heard from several people that I mentioned in a complimentary way, whether it be Ariana or Doja Cat, I want to say that I remain firm in my clarity and stance that in that in that what I was writing about was the importance of self-advocacy for the more delicate and often dismissed softer female personality, and that there does have to be room for that type um in what will inevitably be a new wave slash third wave of feminism that is rapidly approaching. Watch. Perhaps I would have given more context to my posts by mentioning the title of the second book that would be out the next March called Behind the Iron Gates Insights from an Institution. I'm sorry that the folks who can who I can only assume are super Trump Pence supporters or hyper liberals or flip flopping headline grabbing critics can't read and want to make it a race war when in fact the issue was with female critics and female alternative artists who are disassociated um, from their own fragility and sexuality and berate more sexually liberal liberated artists like myself and the women I mentioned. Okay, so. Are you more sexually liberated or like these women that you mentioned, or are you more soft and delicate? Like, who are you advocating for at this point? But in truth, making it about race says more, so much more about you than it does about me. You want the drama. You don't want to believe that a woman could be beautiful, strong, and fragile at the same time, loving and all-inclusive by making personal reparations simply for the joy of doing it. But nothing new here in your reaction. Same as 10 years ago when a million think pieces came out about me feigning emotional fragility or lying about coming from no money when that was the truth. My aim and my message are clear that I have control of my own story. If the women I mentioned don't want to be associated with me, that's absolutely fine by me. Yeah, I I would reckon that they don't. (laughs) I, I imagine that like she probably will probably happen is that like in addition to the slew of backlash that she got from people on the internet, she probably got uh, contacts from at least one or two of those women that were like, keep my name out of your mouth. And I I don't understand. Like, I like I, going back to what I said about like how people of color, black people approach race and how we don't want to bear the burden of calling people racist or calling people problematic because it's just not like a fun thing for us to do. I think it's like for you to not recognize 
that like how you worded the thing, if, if you truly did not mean to be problematic, if you truly did not mean to specifically call out women of color for being more successful and being upset that you were not given the same platforms and the same level of success, even though you were an arguably extremely successful artist, um, if that's not what your intention is to like dig your heels in and to call people stupid and to call people say that they suggest that they can't read and that they're you know unable to discern what it is that you were trying to say like that is fucked up (laughs) that is fucked up for people who have had to deal with a lifetime and will have to deal probably for my entire lifetime, have to deal with people being racist, have to people have to deal with people, you know, issuing out these dog whistles and stuff to at least recognize the fact that people are coming at you with lifetimes of knowledge ingrained in them and lifetimes of understanding that Oftentimes we're thrown under the bus and it's a really fucking bad look to mention all of these women of color and Ariana Grande to make a point of like why you're not like to complain about why you're not successful and why people don't understand your art. And, you know, I just don't like it. There's something there's like a huge arrogance in saying like, I'm not successful because you guys don't get it. And I'm not successful because you guys just don't like what I'm doing. Like, you don't like the message that I'm giving. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. First of all, I know a lot of women of color, a lot of black women who love Lana Del Rey, who really like her music. I think she's got a really big stronghold in the black community not huge, but like a lot of people of color really fuck with her. And I don't think that I mean, she's had the cosigns. She's had the cosigns of like, I mean, I don't want to say ASAP Rocky because he's got his own problems, but she has had, um, you know, like people in the, in the hip hop community fuck with her. People in the R and B community fuck with her. People of color who fuck with her, women of color who fuck with her. So To say that, like, people aren't understanding, I I just, there's just so much arrogance in saying that, like, people just don't get it. Okay, well, if you're, if that is your main complaint, that people can't read, and that people are not understanding what you're saying, then you need to find a different way to communicate. You need to be more (laughs) descriptive in what you're saying. The fault lies in you. If people on a massive scale aren't understanding what it is you're saying and the only people who are supporting you are diehard fans of yours, that's a problem. That's a big problem. That is an issue with the way that you are communicating what what point you're trying to make. If you're having to make statement after statement, clarification after clarification, people aren't stupid. You're not communicating correctly. Or maybe you are, and you just don't like that people are responding to it negatively. That is not the fault of other people. This is wild to me. Anyway, you guys, what else can I talk about? I really don't know. I think I just want to rant and rave. All right, with that being said, now on to some lighter news. 
I did a, an awesome recap of the last episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Moni of the Mixing with Moni podcast. Talking to Moni is like Spider-Man meme. We're just pointing at each other and we look exactly the same. She takes the words right out of my mouth. I fully agree with her on everything. I think she's amazing. She's incredible. Is it because we mostly have the same opinions on things? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? She's great. <laughs> um, but like for real, I, I really want to, um, should I get into this? I don't know. Every time I ask myself, I just do it. So let's just do it. I, I've got like a growing theory about people, about podcasters. And I just to clarify before I even get into it. I want to say that this is no shade towards anybody. And so when I say this, I love podcasting and I love podcasts and I love everybody. The types of people that I'm mentioning, I listen to these people. So it's no shade. I have a working theory that for the most part, people within like the pop culture realm, the reality TV realm, are either personalities or voices. I consider myself to be a voice. I consider people like Liz of Feathers of My Hair, Troy of Dunzo, Princess of By Pumpkin. I, I feel like we're in the class of voices. And then there are personalities. And like I said, I'm not even going to list who I would say is a personality because I don't want it to be interpreted as shade because it's really not. It's just a difference. I think in the realm of reality, particularly in Bravo podcasters, most of those people are personalities and that is totally fine. Like I said, I listen to them. Like this is not me being shady at all, but I think it's easier to grow an audience when you have, when you're a personality, because m a lot of what you're doing is catering to your audience. And when you're a voice that requires you to be like unabashedly yourself, to state your opinions, people have to like you as a person, not like you as a podcaster. And so I think it's harder to like grow an audience. Not that like any of these people, like all of these people have great audiences, myself included, but like, I think it's just easier to be popular when you're a personality because it's just more palatable. Like, right? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to take it to, like, I, I was talking to somebody the other day um, about, like, like, in terms of, like, talk show hosts, right? Like, Ellen is a personality. And we all know it because most of us know <laughs> that off screen, she's, like, a shitty person, Right? But she's a personality and she is wildly successful because you know what you're getting with Ellen. You know that it is going to be light, easy, fun, TikTok people. She's dancing. She's, you know, like, it's just very palatable stuff. But then you have, like, a Wendy Williams, who is a voice. Also very popular, but a very different audience. And it's not even because she's black. It's because... She is unabashedly herself and you have to take her for who she is for better or for worse. A lot of times it's worse, <laughs> but, 
But she voices her opinions. She does not cater to a wide range of people. People have to like Wendy. When the Wendy Williams show, you have to like Wendy. When you like the Ellen show, you like the Ellen show. You do not like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> um, a lot of people who love the Ellen show would be very like appalled by how she acts off screen if those alleged rumors are true. There are a lot of rumors, so it seems to be true. Um, but, you know, like Wendy has her faults. Wendy says things how she wants to say them. And, you know, I think it's harder to gain an audience that way. But she has become very successful, but it just takes a little bit longer. Um, So with it being said, like, I hope this doesn't seem shady towards money. Like, she does great. She's a very successful podcaster in her own right. But I think, like, it's harder to gain that traction when you're not catering to your audience, whatever audience it is that you are trying to get. Um, and so I just really like, for those of you guys who don't listen to mixing with Monty, I would suggest that you do. If you like me, if you like princess, if you like Liz, if you like Troy, she's right in that same vein. And I also think it's very difficult for, um, you know, like, like I said, if you guys listen to me, you probably listen to like a bunch of Bravo centric podcasts. And I think, um, I mean, the truth is that most of those popular Bravo podcasters, popular reality TV podcasters are white. And I, I think she offers a really great perspective as a black woman, as a person of color to make you see how we view television through our eyes, viewing a, a medium, a network that caters to mostly um white audiences even though many of their black audiences or are black shows rather are very popular um i would just recommend like let's just all like you know it's easy to just look at the itunes charts and say oh i'm just gonna look through one through three and listen to them but i there are voices out there you guys and so i would encourage you guys to look further Check out Mixing with Moni. Recommend the podcasts that you know are people who are voices rather than personalities because they deserve just as much popularity and just as much shine as everybody else. Um, I think it's harder for us to do it. But when you do it, to know us is to love us. And I would recommend that you get to know us and get to love us. So with that being said... (laughs) Um, here is my recap of the latest episode of Beverly Hills Housewives with Moni. Check it out. Y'all have a great week. I don't know why I'm saying that because you know you'll hear me in a couple days. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you guys. Bye. You guys know that I rarely talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because... I mean, you watch the show, you know why. But if I'm going to talk about it with anybody, it's going to be the incredible Moni of Mixing with Moni podcast. Hello, girl. Hello, hello. How are you? Uh, doing, doing good. Doing good. I, you know, I, 
always want to talk to you. I always want to talk to black people about black things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. I talked to you about Atlanta, but I feel like the the season's been pretty lackluster. And I feel like, but they're always good for a reunion. But even that has not really been giving me much. So I wanted to then talk to you about Potomac, but then we couldn't because it's sure. not. <laughs> and then <laughs> here we are. Um, we just got to work with Garcelle, I guess. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. How are you, like, what's your journey with Beverly Hills? Do you, where does it rank amongst the housewives for you? How do you feel about the show and the girls as a whole? Yeah, so my criteria is a bit different than most I'm realizing. If I have to check the DVR counter and see that there's still, like, to see how much time is left, because I don't want it to be over yet, we're in a good place. If I tape it and I watch it the same night, we're in a really good place. And if I am actively like, wow, I can't wait to see what happens next weekend or next week, I basically, it's the top of my list. So unfortunately, that is happening with Beverly Hills. And I say unfortunately because last season, that was not happening with Beverly Hills. So I feel like, I think I said on my podcast, Bravo, especially for this franchise, could have literally given me shit and I would have eaten it because last season was so fucking terrible. The bar was in hell. And now I am like, this is the best season ever. But it's also because last season was disgusting. I am completely with you. I do. I will say that I thought the first like two to three episodes were actually really strong in terms of like Beverly Hills. Um, Yes. I am really loving Garcelle. How do you feel about Sutton? Because she's very polarizing. She is so polarizing. That's the exact word I was going to use. Like people are very on no one's in in between with Sutton. And I kind of like that because I'm the same way. People either literally genuinely can't stand me or absolutely adore me. I <laughs> tend to think everyone falls on the adore side, but there are some crazies out there who don't. So that's fine. And I feel the same way about Sutton. I actually love her. I think her energy is so different, like drastically different than the other ladies of Beverly Hills without seeming so anti, even if it's in a genuine way. Like I consider Erica and like Garcelle and Denise to be very anti the the norm it feels like there, but in theirs is totally genuine. But Sutton just feels like, you know, this is real money, this is real mess, and she's really sassy. And I kind of dig it. I think it's just that it's so different than what we're used to, especially in this franchise. And I feel bad always thinking immediately she should have gone to like like Dallas or one Southern charm. But then I'm like, that's probably the problem that we're instantly typecasting her to only be in the Southern like franchises when I like her calling Teddy boring on the West coast. Cause I I agree with her a lot more (laughs) than I thought I would. Okay. I will, I will give you that. Yeah. My first thought was like, oh, she definitely belongs to Dallas. Not even just because she's Southern. I just think she has that, like, I mean, I guess it is when you come back to it, it is a Southern thing, just like her, just like her way of being. Um, But I, just like kind of how I felt like I would have wanted like Barb from New York and New Jersey and Uh maybe have, um, oh, what's her face? Not Jennifer, but the other one in Jersey, the blonde one. What is her? Jackie? Jackie. Like I would have liked to have Jackie in New York and Barb in New Jersey. There is something like oh. she, she did have a fit, but it's just not 
working for me in Beverly Hills. Frankly, I will say, like, as soon as she said that she didn't know what Fenty was, I was, like, done with her. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was that was <laughs> bullshit. I was like, girl, do you read a paper? Like, a paper. Not even do you check Instagram. Do you read a paper? <laughs> right. Um, but, yes, I mean, somebody had to say it about Teddy Joe being boring. Um so I was appreciative of that. Uh, where where are you standing with the rest of the girls? Um, where I'm at is. Did you want Erica back from last season? Because a lot of people didn't. But I, I, Erica's close to my heart. Erica's close to my heart too. Though I thought that last season, you know, she wasn't giving us her Erica best. I think that for unfortunately for certain women on this show. The bar is really high for them, but not the cast as a whole or the show as a whole. So I get really, you know, cautious of holding certain housewives to a higher standard than I do the others. I think Erica did, you know, the minimum, but we've seen less and we know that it's something there. So should she not come back because one season, you know, she wasn't wearing full on costume and calling everyone the C word. No, you know, you give her a chance. Every housewife has like a little bit of a lull time, but I thought she is doing, I think she's doing fantastic this season. We've seen her crying more this season than ever before. I love seeing her husband. She's very right. The moment you sit them in a room and you like really get to Tom talking, you kind of feel like, okay, I see their dynamic. I see that it wasn't just the money. Like with Sonia, I've often thought, what was it more than the money? And she was gorgeous and fun. But with Erica and Tom, I see that there actually is some kind of like a Kendra connection there. But he's also a really seemingly sweet man to her. And I really dig that. And I like her literally having cocktail hour at her house and we're having you know pre-dinner or pre-event drinks in her clubhouse and we're seeing a clubhouse like I mm-hmm. like seeing more size of her and her husband's on the mic and she's talking about sex with her husband and saying the truth it's not that great and I appreciate the honesty <laughs> I yes I think she very much like and I even wrote this in my notes like she took the criticisms to heart about like not being that open Um, like the fan thoughts about her and she really like went for it this year like yeah yeah you see a lot more Tom like I think that was the main complaint is like we never see Tom you never open up about your personal life it's just like glam 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 Mikey 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 and like that's great but it's only good for a while like you have to give us more and I also think that like with all the other girls except for Kyle have been more open. Like when we saw Dorit being open about her financial issues and we see um, Lisa opening up about her, yes. about yeah, and her eating disorder, like everybody is going deeper with the exception of Kyle and like and I, Teddy and Teddy. And I knew this was going to happen because when they all decided to get LVP out and that's exactly what they all did. Yes. <laughs> Um, you know, regardless of who wants to point the finger at who, like, they all wanted her out. And I think Kyle thought, like, oh, okay, like, I'm going to be the queen bee and, like, everybody's going to be nice and blah, blah, blah. I knew that as soon as they got Lisa out, 
people were going to start pointing fingers at everybody else. Like it wasn't going to be this like happy, fun mm-hmm. season where everybody gets along and Kyle's like the queen bee and she's like the mother and, you know, she and Teddy or Teddy's like her little protege and whatever. And Dorit's not going to kowtow to her. Like it wasn't going to happen. And I'm grateful to see it because for, I'm like happy that Lisa's gone because I couldn't take any more of this like dog drama. Right. And I'm appreciative that now Kyle's kind of getting the villain edit, but she doesn't know it yet. She's not. Oh, she definitely doesn't know it. And I almost think that though I wasn't happy with how the LVP execution went down, I definitely wish the LVP came in fight. I know she wasn't in a place to do that. That's totally understandable. And I definitely think they capitalized on her weakness, which is also very disgusting. But I really feel like she was a means to an end because if anything this is going to provide a lot more vindication than people thought for this woman even if they don't like LVP it is very clear there was a plan then because it's very clear there's a plan now it just seems like this year the plan isn't going to go nearly the way I think Kyle expects it like I think she's crying I know people are throwing me all these different reasons maybe it's just that she feels like she's a victim overwhelmed she I think there was a plan in place. I believe that the plan was to somewhat out Denise in some way for, because we've had this lesbian conversation now like two or three times in the span of four episodes. So we know what's coming, but I also think Kyle really thought she was going to be at the top and that she could kind of produce a show and produce it the way she wants to produce it. She did it last year. It was a theory. This year, it is very apparent. The problem is it seems like none of her players are on her team anymore because they're all too desperate for this check and they don't, she, there's no insurance with Kyle. And it seems like Denise, her target is the wrong fucking one. Like Denise just didn't, she didn't lose anyone. She has a lot of court battles and stuff going on with the Charlie Sheen. So enemies are not Kyle in her life. So I feel like Kyle is back into a corner and the reason she keeps crying is because things are not going the way she planned, the way she expected, and she feels very cornered and alone. And I have absolutely zero empathy for that. I think she's not only getting the villain edit, I think she's going to come out of this defeated entirely. Yeah, I I don't think, I think it's going to be very hard for her to come back next season. I and I'm I'm I love to see it. Um I think that yeah, I think she thought that Denise was not Denise, Dorit was gonna fall in line like Teddy seems to be with her. And Dorit's like, I think I I like hitched myself to the wrong ride here all these years. And now I'm like, what who is Kyle Richards in this world? Why am I right? Why am I going to, like, hitch my ride to this woman who isn't worth it? Like, it's not worth it. Like, I would much rather have fun with Rena, Denise, Garcelle before I ever hung out with Kyle Richards. Oh, yeah. I loved I mean, I'm going to lie. The ride home from Erica's house, I wanted to be in that car. I was like, this right? is exactly how me and my friends are. We are coming from the function and we're just like, what the hell was going on with the girl? Like, she was nuts. And I love that energy. And yeah, I mean, you see her hairstyle? Ugly. And I'm like, this is the catty patty I need. This is so friend-like. I feel very open and I feel accepted in this group of women. Like, you know, they have nothing to do with me. They probably never talk to me. But like, I felt relatable. It's like, why was she freaking out like that? Like, we definitely just ganged up on this girl. And then we get into the car and talk about her as if 
we have no idea why she's crying. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Girl, those bangs were cut and she lost her mind. She like, really did. What is happening with her? Like, is it menopause? Like, because I, I, I think it could be. And then, like, a lot of insecurity laddered on top because you did not need to cut bangs, honey. There are wigs, there are pieces. <laughs> Do, yeah, just clip in, clip in a, a bang. Girl. <laughs> you could clip in bangs. <laughs> <laughs> you have the money to clip in a bang, girl. Like, girl, and they had the budget. Like, you have the budget. We all know you're producing this movie. <laughs> I'm not understanding. Like, she was in this Halloween movie when she was like, a child, like a single digit child. Right. Why Did they we... never think that women grow up and like change their right. hair? She had bangs when I was a kid. So I had bangs for this movie at 50. That's not how things work. We didn't need to keep that bit of continuity. Like that wasn't vital to the storyline. Not that I'm going to be. That wasn't it. <laughs> not that I'm going to be watching it anyway. But anyway, yeah, let's get into the episode. We see Garcelle. She's out with her fur girlfriends. They're like Hollywood movers and shakers. One's her like publicist. One is uh, Cherie, the former housewife or not housewife, wife to Will Smith, mother of Trey. Um, this I was th- I kept having to like recreate correct myself. Like I was being like, OK, these are like what it was five black women in the scene. I was like, oh, this is the most we've seen in Beverly Hills. Oh, this is the most. No, we've seen- that's, that's exactly what I felt. I think I posted and God <laughs> bless the Karens that came to my DMs. They were like, wait, I don't get it. What is she doing? And I was because I literally posted. I was like, I am so happy with this scene. Garcelle knows exactly what she's doing. And I'm so <laughs> grateful. And so many of the young Karens were like, wait, what's she doing? I want to love it, too. And I'm like, oh, honey. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll explain it to you. What she's doing is literally she knows she was tokened for this role. We all know it. When Martin Luther King's birthday came around and they only had Garcelle on Bravo TV's Instagram going, what MLK Day means to me, I'm like, oh my God, y'all are not about to pat yourselves on the back for integrating one franchise. One. Like, I will not let you. And so we knew she knew she was being token, but she decided to take her stage and her platform on this screen and show what we've all said, the reason why so many people have called for different levels of diversity on these shows, especially on Beverly Hills, because LA don't look white. It just doesn't. It is a hodgepodge of people, just like New York. There are friend groups that have all kinds of people in them. So the idea that you have like an all white cast of women because they're all best friends and they're all white and their friend group is ridiculous. It's literally ludicrous. And Garcella's showing us 
she moves and shakes between lots of people. I think she had her first son with another black man. She had the other two with a white man. She has friends on the show. She has black friends in real life. But she's, it's a collection of people that create Garcelle as, a, as an individual. And I was here for it. That was the most amount of black people we've seen on Beverly Hills at one time ever, ever. Probably on any Bravo show that isn't a black cast ever. I'm just willing you. to go on record and say that. No, that's exactly what I wrote. I said, there, um, this is the most, this marks the most black people we've seen at once on any Housewives franchise ever aside from Potomac or Atlanta. I think even more than Housewives. I would say, because it's definitely not on, like on Seven Charm, it'll be like one. And right. on like Below Deck, it might be a group of a few as the charter guests, but like this was it. This was a lot. And I was to open the show, oh, be still my little black heart. <laughs> I mean, to see, it's so, such a sad thing to see. This is the most Black people we've seen out of all the quote-unquote stereotypically white shows probably combined ever in the history of Bravo. That's like, oh. In 2020. In 2020. My God. Mm. They, okay, so what is saying? Um, basically, they were they're talking about like how they made their divorces work in terms of the children and Garcelle was saying that like she made the choice to not like I could have really hated my husband for cheating on me but I can't hate the person who loves my who my children love and Cherie's saying like the same thing like every relationship that she and Will have been in like Trey has always been the center of that and their partner's love for Trey was always like the most important thing and then we find out that Garcelle dated Will Smith too and it was <laughs> of Thing. A really good scene. I, I agree. I loved it. I needed it. I needed to know the Garcelle and Will dating because that just answers so many questions for me of how two very attractive Black Hollywood stars coming up seemingly around the exact same time were not dated. Like, that's obvious. I needed that. Right. Exactly. Uh, then we get to Erica and Kyle. Kyle's out playing with the dogs. Erica calls her and wants to know what her birth time is for the astrologer that she's having come to her house for the girls. And then they talk about Denise slap snapping at dinner. But like the scenes we see is like, of Denise being like, maybe she's using an F-bomb here and there, but like she wasn't going off on anybody. I'm yeah, very no, some reaching was happening there. I, I think it's really, really reaching, especially when Kyle lost her mind because Dorit did glam before she went to Teddy's uh, all in, whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> she would not let that go. She lost her mind about Denise getting glam. And I love Denise being like, do you know who the fuck I am? Like, I've been on all the covers of the magazines that you would ever dream to be on. Of course I get glam. Like, why she would keep calling Denise a ragamuffin when like Denise has seven times the career that Kyle could ever have wanted in her life. Like how you did one movie and you came home and threw a party about it. Right. You like give, literally. Oh, give a speech to Mauricio about how, how great it's been and how, who really stepped up like okay you've got like one kid in the house like and they're like welcome home Kyle I'm like Denise literally films day in and day out even Lisa Rinna and freaking Emmy winning Harry Hamlin they film all the time and they come home and have kids and like mortgages and they don't leave their family they don't throw themselves parties like the fact that it was like so ironic that she's having this 
kind of like visceral reaction to Denise being any kind of glamorous as if, first of all, the woman is a model. Like she's literally been that first and always. And second of all, in a room full of actors and actresses who this is a third of them, this is their job regularly, like every day. And so what? Like, did you like write that book on being glammed? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, let let it go. Let the mouse go, as Sutton said. <laughs> That's so good. I want that on a shirt. <laughs> um, it is her. I, I'm not understanding where Kyle's coming from at all. Like, the two examples that we saw of Denise like going crazy was when she told Camille to shut up. And then she told Kyle to shut up. And guess what? They both needed to shut up. So how about that? <laughs> so, how about that? <laughs> um, then they were saying, like, Denise was holier than thou or about the threesome and the women stuff. And I know people have had, like, conflicting opinions about this. My opinion is, regardless of who their father is, regardless of what Denise has said about uh, her husband... If she doesn't want you guys talking about sex stuff, or if she doesn't want you guys to talk about whatever the fuck in front of her children, you just don't talk about it. You don't fight her on it, and you just let it go. I, I, it doesn't, right. It doesn't seem like it's rocket science. It's it's pretty much just, obviously, she thought that if she had her kids there, she could kind of control the scene a little bit. But I also think there's, and though that might have been naive, there also is a special place in my own personal Hades for people like Kyle who start conversations like this for the sole purpose of, A, outing this woman, because that's exactly what she was trying to do. That was her first inning, and we could all see that. And B, to be so judgy, but also to do it in front of kids. Like, would you do this in front of kids at your party? Like, would you want someone to do it at your party? So it's not a matter of people weren't being honest. It was simply just time and place. And she started this whole like explicit conversation thinking that, oh, well, I'm at Wild Things House. And it's not that Denise is a prude. That's not what it is. Her tagline is about happy fucking endings. Right. It's more so just it was a time and place thing. And she definitely didn't expect y'all to just be shouting about threesomes and, you know, dating couples and doing stuff in front of these kids. And I don't even think it's that she thinks that her kids aren't don't know what this stuff is. They're in high school in 2020, okay? They know exactly what the hell's going on. It was simply this, these kids are not her own, and she has to answer for what they experience at her house. Exactly. Like, yeah, you have to keep in mind that not all of these kids were hers. She probably has to, and her children probably have to fight against the stereotypes about her father all the time. So she probably wants to make sure that, like, when those kids go home that they're not like, oh, here's this crazy slut, you know, like, right. you know, it's completely fair. Like you, I, I don't know what they were like. And I didn't really like how Erica like made, I was talking about how it was hypocritical either. Like it just like, this makes all the sense in the world. And like, I don't have kids, but like if I'm around kids and their parents don't want me to talk about this, that, and the third, like, I'm not going to argue with you about that. Like, it's not that serious. Yeah, it's simply a time and place thing. Like, you know, I'm a teacher and I I would imagine that in a certain time or place, if I go to one of my students' house or something like that, 
I, even though I'm an adult and I'm a person at that point and I'm not in the classroom, it's still a matter of what is just simply appropriate to talk about. First of all, at a dinner party, I'm just saying, and not to get all sudden on people, but like this really took a left and it would be hard for me to even be able to drink my wine and, and, and be having this conversation, but also in front of kids. I would feel awkward like I really would even if I'm not awkward about the topic I'd be like um there is literally somebody's whole child behind me I do not wish to answer this question while a 12 year old is looking at me in the face right (laughs) trying to get their ice cream sundae and I'm over here like oh yeah I stuck with multiple girls when I was in college and they're like what (laughs) <laughs> you just want to get the hot fudge. Let the kid get the hot fudge. Right. <laughs> I just want my sprinkles. Can I eat? <laughs> um, so then we just get like a short scene of Denise and her kid. Um, she's getting ready for homecoming. And the only thing that I found interesting about that is that like she kind of clarifies the situation relationship between she and Charlie about how like when they got together, he was sober. It wasn't like they always had this crazy, contentious, drug-fueled you know, relationship that like it didn't really start until she got pregnant with Lola and that's when she filed for divorce and, and, you know, like she, you know, like it just wasn't this crazy, crazy situation the whole time. Right. And that's good to know. And I think she had to answer that. It was like, but also guys, just because she was married to Charlie Sheen, she was not Charlie Sheen. Like she wasn't tiger blooding across Hollywood. Like she's, was just the wife of a of a man who was nuts. So though she has a high tolerance for a lot of stuff, it also would mean that she, obviously she wanted a different life for her kids. I mean, she moved to Malibu and basically married a hippie and lives on the beach. It's a very different life than what they got, what they were going to get with their father. Right, exactly. And I, I just love Denise. <laughs> I really do. I really appreciate her. And I think she's going to give us a run for our money, especially since they haven't filmed the reunion yet. I know Lisa Renna last night um, was on Watch It Happens Live with Sutton and she and Kyle are seen famously in the trailer of the whole season being like, I think we're never going to see Denise again. So A, we now know that was your plan, but also so does Denise. And Denise is like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to throw a wrench in that plan. And she's like, oh, I'm here, baby. I'm coming back. And I think she's definitely going to come back after the way this season plays out. I think she's going to be at the reunion. But Lisa Renna was like, I'll believe it when I see it. And I'm like, no, don't do that. She's not scared of y'all. I, I don't think Denise Richards is scared of y'all. I am very confused about all this because when we got the trailer and when we saw like the first episode, they made it seem like Denise lost her mind and she didn't want to film and she was doing this, that, and the third. But like now that I'm watching the season, I'm like, What's really going to be happening? How is this really going to unfold? Because I feel like we got a very different picture than what is actually happening. Unless she right. those lefts, I I don't really know. I don't know. Um, so then we get a scene of Lisa and Harry Hamlin. He's doing a play in Delaware, and they're talking about how, you know, like, when you have two working actor parents that, you know, it's kind of like you kind of, you're always both hustling and you're always traveling and doing this and that. And he had to miss the DNA Delilah and Amelia uh, launch. And apparently, you know, everything's get going, getting a lot better with Amelia and her mental health. She and Delilah are getting along. 
Lisa's really happy that she's back in LA and Lisa's saying, you know, it took Harry a long time to realize how he needed to approach Amelia and her eating disorder and what to say and what not to say. And then we get the flashback of them, like having that dinner where Amelia's saying that she's got all these allergies and how she didn't want to eat. And I didn't remember, and maybe they didn't show this, but I didn't remember Harry saying to Lisa, like, this is your fault. Like, Amelia has this eating disorder because of you. I don't remember it either, but then it's also like one of those things like now that I've seen it, I think I do remember it, but it didn't, I don't think I actually remember it. So I'm, I can understand that, especially considering this is what Lisa opened up with when she was talking to Teddy um, when they went on their hike and was like, you know, people give me all this slack of it being my fault. And I'm sure that's also very hard for Lisa. And I appreciated in this scene, like the, the difference in my energy is I had an issue with her talking about this with Teddy and basically telling us that hippo violations were happening left and freaking right by the mm-hmm. therapist calling a, a mom of a girl who is not a child. And also what happens when you are, I've talked to therapists and I've been like, does this happen even when you are dealing with children? Like, no, we tell our parents that there is a concern and we let them know when we think they're in danger, but we don't just go willy nilly. Like, I don't think that this is a good environment for her. Like that's not their job to, formulate opinion and you know deliver instruction so having her talk about it with teddy i had issue with having her talk about it with her daughter i was actually very comforted by to see that she's doing well and that lisa says that they're all in therapy separately and together i was like these are the answers i want to mental health issues i want you to tell me that you're actually seeking out help and you're not just putting it all on you or dare i say telling your kid to go be a bartender cough cough Lisa Vanderpump and Ariana Maddox just saying <laughs> right like, uh, I'm feeling suicidal okay maybe you should go work at Star that's not <laughs> what we should be doing right exactly um and I appreciated Harry being like you know if I hadn't gotten help and I hadn't like counsel- gotten counseling from the right people I would have just made Amelia stay there and just stick it out in New York like yeah and you know not a, not every kid can do that and I think I think, you know, like him admitting that, like, I do tough love and I expect people to do the hard work and, you know, just not everybody's cut out for that. And I I appreciated him admitting to that. And mental health is totally different than just, you know, raising a kid who's like lazy or doesn't have the drive. It's totally different. I mean, it took me five and a half years to graduate college, not because I didn't want to, because it's just, it's different when you're dealing with mental health issues. So I appreciated him, Harry being like, you know, though I was not perfect in dealing with this, it's a roller coaster for an entire family when you're dealing with something like this. So I appreciate that vulnerability and then being able to talk it out and be like, though we're not perfect, we literally sought the advice and sought the help to get us on track, at least as a family. Like, uh, shout out to you. Shout out to both of them. And I think kind of like what he was deep down saying is like, I didn't want my kids to be these LA fucks who are lazy and don't do anything and pretend like they're going to go to college and then don't shout out to uh-huh. and exactly want them to actually like not be spoiled and do the work because like he mm-hmm. comes kind of very brilliant people who work really hard in the science field. And, you know, I just, you can tell that that's like not his life. And that I, I think he probably, there was probably a lot of resentment on Lisa towards Lisa because I think she's probably really lax with them and 
wants to be like the momager and wants her kids to have fame and all of that. And I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't they have like a lot of issues in the background regarding that. I agree. I totally agree. Um, so then we go to Buca de Beppo, which is a oh, word Jesus. that I, I'm so happy that we get to say it all the time because I just like the way it feels on my mouth. <laughs> I've been calling it Buca de Bell Pepper on my um, Instagram and people have responded very positively to that as well. Because where I'm at, it's not a thing. So I was like, wait, what the fuck right. is this? Why is she so excited? Like, what is this ambition or uh, feeling of accomplishment she's giving us? I've never heard of this. It's not even an off garden. Like, <laughs> so I'm just basically letting it be known that it's still a nothing to me. And this business still is known way about calling it Buca de Bell Pepper. <laughs> See, I, to, to me, like, from a New York perspective, and I think they do have them in New York. Or they might have one in Times Square. It's like a place you go after an activity like maybe you'll go after like a high school graduation or like a mother's day or like after you go see a broadway play like if you're from the midwest and you're like oh i want to have this authentic new york experience so i'm gonna oh, go sweet jesus where and like share you know like family style food like that to me is like you go there for a broadway special like a, a prefix special that kind of vibe but I've never That's been. That's crazy to me. I've never been either. I did, in fact, look it up, and apparently there actually is one. I mean, I've literally never seen it in my entire life. <laughs> like, it's there's only two in my entire DMV area, which is a lot, and there's only one in DC. Never seen it a day in my life, and one's very, very, very far away from me. So I continue to say who. exactly um so they go and meet with robert who's the owner of the franchise about designing the room that dorit's gonna design dorit is like doing this like oh i'm so in love with pk and i'm so attracted to him and she's like rubbing his beard the whole time and like all cuddled up with him like you're at a professional meeting like i know you guys are all friends but like can we maybe keep our hands to ourselves? Like, you don't have yeah, to... Pre- let's act like we are investing in a business and doing business things. Though we know we're not, but let's just pretend. <laughs> Robert, I, I appreciated the scene because Robert's like, listen, I need you to actually, like, be committed to this process. And Dorit's like, oh, you know, everything I do is, like, 110%. And what would you say that my commitment has been so far? And he's like, three maybe three enjoy this man (laughs) he was he did not give a fuck about like you know like i just wonder how close the friends they were because he was like you're not cutting the mustard for me here not at all and And i I absolutely felt it hilarious that and extremely telling that PK wanted to check in on LVP and that we are still seeing exactly what I saw and said last season that PK does not want this relationship to end. And he was very pissed at Dorit for throwing a wrench in it. Like, because the reason that I could not get off of Lisa's side, especially when it came to Dorit, was because the simple question of 
you want to be friends with someone still that you think is a liar and that is lying to you and that would do this to you. And she goes, yes. And I'm like, then you're an idiot. Like, I know you're literally using me because who does that? Who says all these things and feels so victimized by this person? And it's like, I still want to work it out with you, Lisa. And PK is literally still checking in on Lisa. Like, I still love her. I still want to make sure she's okay. Probably because she has a shit ton of skeletons on him. Or my theory he owes her money. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what have you heard? What's going on? It, it was really did weird. You, did you tell her that we were designing a room in one of your restaurants? Did, did you tell her? Could, could you pass that message along that um, we're in restaurants too now? And I was like, LOLing on the floor when Dorit was like, I don't think I'm competing with Lisa. I was like, because you're not, honey. Having <laughs> real estate in West Hollywood for Real estates in West Hollywood is not the same as like retap reupholstering some chairs in a book of the <laughs> pepper. You're picking up fabrics, girl. This isn't even a Nicolaine. <laughs> Maybe some wallpaper that he will take down in a year. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was weird. She was like, I don't want to be like Lisa, but I do want to design my own restaurants. I do want my own restaurants. Like, okay, so you do want to be like Lisa. <laughs> With, That's with, what Lisa does. With, exactly. Like, and what <laughs> what business do you have being in the restaurant business? You've designed. Is it even good food? Like, is this basically like Olive Garden Part Two or something? Like, you feel so accomplished. <laughs> Olive Garden Two Electric Boogaloo, and it's like. Just stay in the fashion lane, girl. Like, that's where you belong. You belong. Well, she can't. She got sued, and it's now led to her inevitable bankruptcy. So the girls aren't calling her back from New York. Oh, but I thought I thought everybody wanted to do business with her. Nobody's afraid of doing business with them. Like, they've never had the effects of this, even though we're fresh off a lawsuit. God but- bless Garcelle for even asking her that question. I, I worshipped her ever since that moment. It was truly, truly great. Um, yeah, their expectations of like Lisa coming back into their lives, like you got you kicked her off for a show, but you pushed her off of her show. Like that's it. it there's yeah. no coming back from that. No coming back. Not at all. Um, so then we get Kyle, she's getting ready, she's getting ready to head to head to Erica's. She calls Sutton. I'm not understanding why she and Sutton have this great relationship it seems very strategic to me like she just wants another soldier on her side that is controllable that is new she knew it wasn't going to come out with Garcelle and it didn't work with Denise so who else does she have exactly and we'll touch more on that later um so Sutton says she wants to confront Dorit about the whole freak out thing um and Kyle's like, well, I love Dorit, but she she really pisses me off sometimes. And the cracks are just deepening between Dorit and Kyle. And I'm loving it. I am too. I feel like Dorit is very aware that, or maybe she wasn't aware until now, that she was just a pawn in Kyle's game. Kyle literally only, you know, was friends or was really loyal to her to get a job done. And I was to get rid of LVP because I always jumped, Back to the scene in LVP's remodeled kitchen that, you know, Kyle was like, I will stand up for what's right. That wasn't standing up for technically Dorit. 
It was standing up for what you thought was right because it was going to take down that friend. And Dorit was your ticket for that. Because otherwise, the way you were always making out with them damn dogs on the beds and stuff, I know goodness well if it was anybody else. If it was Lisa who had like dropped off a pet or whatever and did the same thing Dorit allegedly did, you would not let it slide. It was a means to an end. And Dorit is no longer someone you need in your arsenal. And I think Dorit knows it. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. It was a, Dorit was a total means to an end. And it's, I'm glad that she's got some clarity on that because I like to see. Yeah, take her down, girl. <laughs> um, so then we go to Erica's house. Denise and, no, Lisa and Erica were in the same dress. Lisa screams like I've never heard in my life before, like for a full what felt like 45 seconds. It like, was entirely too extra. I was like, girl, it's not that serious. Yeah. But y'all all wore like pink tuxedo dresses. It's not that serious. <laughs> Lisa really be feeling herself sometimes. And it's so funny to me. Like, Rena is in full effect in that moment. And she was like, look at us. We are such girls, girls. And I'm just like, like I'm so tired (laughs) and I love when Kyle's like oh I almost got that like just like okay goodbye Kyle (laughs) just like she got with Rinna in that zebra suit she was like oh I was gonna get that but I didn't like okay well you didn't so there's really nothing to talk about then um then Sean goes on to tell them all about their signs. He says, Erica's a cancer, and the best way to deal with her is to just stick to the facts. Kyle's a Capricorn. She's allegedly all about consistency, and she gets worked up when somebody's being treated unfairly. Denise is an Aquarius. There's a side of her that's hidden, and she has the most to reveal. And, you know, Kyle was like a pig and shit when she heard that. Like, ooh, that's so true. Like, she is hiding a lot. Um, it was like uh. such bullshit. <laughs> Lisa Ren is also a cancer. She says everyone always knows where they stand with her, and she can't hold things back. Garcelle's a Sagittarius. She wants to have fun, but she's very clear on what's right and what's wrong. Dorit, another cancer. Um, it's hard to reel her in when she gets emotional. Sutton's a Virgo. She's very opinionated, but she also takes things personally, which seems to be true. Um, yep. Eddie, another cancer. She's more inclined to gravitate to the one person she feels more secure with, which is Kyle. And then... I'm just, I'm just not, I don't like Teddy. <laughs> I don't no. like tag team. We're sisters, me and Kyle are sisters and Kyle has to protect her and she feels so secure with her. And I think like the girls are like trying to make a point about how their relationship is weird, but I don't think they're going about it the right way. Yeah. They don't have to call it strange for anything other than codependency like that's all it is it's nothing nefarious going on they're not having an affair on each other's husbands or whatever like they're not swingers they're really just codependent and acting like this is high school as grown women like extremely grown women with a severe age gap need us forget teddy is younger than jack Taylor. Ugh. I mean, the chills, I wake up several times in the night thinking about that, like, and, and how Kyle Cook and, and, um, Leah from New York are the same age, just like, oof, the dissonance <laughs> jumps out on that, really. Um, 
And then they kind of get into it. Dorit says, you know, I think that there are like rules that apply to everyone, but not really Teddy in terms of Kyle. And it would just be easier if Kyle would just admit that like, basically Teddy's her little bitch. And so she's going to go up for her because she has to. Um, Teddy's everyone's little bitch. She was Lisa's little bitch. Exactly. That's her job. She is a beta. So is Kyle. That's the problem. That's the problem. Kyle's trying to be an alpha when she's a beta. She's such a beta. They're both sidekicks. So together, they're not doing real well. Like, they're only good at, like, defending each other after one is already crying. Because their their job, their roles, is like they're not equipped to handle all of this. Like, what it takes to be in a fight and not fight. They're not equipped for this. Half the time, Kyle is crying in the middle of her insults. Yeah, you can't have two Gretchen Wieners trying to run things. Like, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. You just. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Can't. Um, so then, like, Garcelle was like, Well, why is it an issue for Kyle to just say that, like, you guys are closer? You and Teddy are closer with each other. And she says, like, what she says is, Garcelle says, You know, in my friend group, we can show shade at each other. And, like, but what she means is, like, we can be open and honest with each other, even if it's not, like, wrapped up in a pretty bow. It, but mm-hmm. Kyle, being honest, because she wants to be liked by everybody. And Kyle's like, I I think a part of her freaking out is like, yeah, you can say it's outside things. Like she's working, she's doing this, she's doing that. But I think, like you said, like she's a beta and it's too hard for her to be spinning all of these plates. It's just too difficult. And so I also have a very sad theory that something is going on with her, her marriage. I really do. I really think that I'm upset to say it because I hate to think that you know, I don't like to speak on people's marriages and, and, you know, suggest that something is going wrong, but also where there's smoke, there's fire. And I fully believe that we have gotten way too many rumors that have been, you know, squashed way too well for it not to be true. And not to mention, I think it was like maybe episode one or two when Kyle called home and we hear him being like, you know, there's some woman going like, let's take a shot. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take a shot. Like he's having his agency party or whatever while his wife is in New York. Here's the thing. Not saying this woman is the woman that he is having an affair with if he's having one at all, you know. But why would you have a party for you, the company you own on the same week or time as your wife's launch 
four-line shields. Like, right. it seems real easy to just be how, there for the other's event. How many parties does the agency need to have? Like, right. I, there's seven agency parties a year. <laughs> like, how it's many a year that you're just getting drunk with another woman? I'm sure Kyle did not like that. And I also think she wasn't calling to just say hi, especially if she knew he was having a party at that time, because you know their calendars are probably synced up. She was calling a chicken on that man. I'm not mad at that. That's what she should do. Check in on that man. But un- unfortunately, that's because she probably knew there was something to be checked in on. I don't know what podcast I was listening to. Maybe it was Watch It Crappens or maybe Come Through Queen. But they were saying, like, that scene of Mauricio's party is going to come back later to bite her about her. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's definitely going to come back. Um, so then Dorit asked if Kyle and Teddy had couples therapy. And Kyle freaks the fuck out. <laughs> Everybody... <laughs> have too much time on your hands and we did like these breathing exercises with teddy's uh therapist and who was it said like yeah it was two people there that's a couple you guys did therapy so that's couples therapy like it's weird the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life and it was the funniest reason for someone to freak out that i've ever seen in my life i'm just like y'all have really got to stop a making like lesbian gate happen on every show and y'all have got to stop thinking that therapy is the worst insult that can be mustered up against you right and I loved when Kyle was like asking Dorit later like don't you think it's weird that they would bring up the couple therapy thing and she was like not really <laughs> right the girl is all about like you know inner self love and help and stuff right <laughs> it's, it's so so great so then, like, they're trying to get into it. Sean's the astrologer is just sitting there. And Lisa's like, the poor when Lisa says she's embarrassed, you should know that this is a really embarrassing situation. Because Lisa has, like, the least amount of shame out of anybody in the cast. Um, For sure. <laughs> then Dorit, Sutton kind of gets into it. Dorit brings up how she and Sutton haven't spoken yet about the, like, freak the fuck out situation. What did you think about... Because I was kind of on Dorit's side of, like, if you're coming out of here, we're walking into an event, and you say, like, oh, I'm about to freak out, and you're walking into my friend's kid's event, I'm going to ask you about why you said that. (laughs) So the thing is, I'm on Dorit's side, I'm not on Rena's side, and I know that's wild because it's Rena's kid's event, but I definitely think that Rena was trying to make a thing, like make something happen that wasn't happening. Dorit had a reason to be like, I mean, you didn't give me any information as we walked about 60 paces and you just kept saying you were going to freak out. And I'm just like, can you help me brace myself? But I'm that kind of a person too. Like, okay, wow, what's happening? Like, do I need to get, like, do you need a tag team? Like, do I need to get some popcorn? You want me to make sure like, you know, the cops are away? Like, what you want? me to do like tell me what you want me to do like what are you what is this freak out that's happening like are you about to cry was is a traumatic person here somebody be mad at someone that hurt you like what is it there's a lot of questions as we're all walking into an event together and we have no idea what we're walking into and you're talking about like you're about to like break down or something i need to know why but lisa i didn't agree with at all because she didn't do it so there's no reason for you to be upset or to have any, you know, pause about it because you weren't there when she said it. She didn't threaten your kids or your event and she didn't do it. So who cares? Yeah. So she kind of went ham like she did when, 
Kim Richards was like, let's talk about the husband. And then she broke all that glass and was like, you don't talk about that. Like she got real like rabid dog on that. Um, and it was unnecessary. But yeah, like totally like if if I don't know you like that and you and like my friends are pretty chill. So if I do know you like that and you're telling me you're about to freak out, I'm I I need to know why. I have questions. <laughs> I have several questions. Uh so then, um, yeah, so like Dorit says, I don't really know you like that. I didn't know what you were going to do. Kyle's like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And like, we're all bigger than that. And um, Sutton, thank God, she says, well, you know what? I kind of feel like you ladies don't really want to even get to know me personally. Garcelle goes right in and is like, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And I don't know if you guys are, like, afraid of me or not. And, like, as Black women, we know what that means. And um, just, like, right. I kind of feel like when I come to you, you just kind of ignore me. Just I just feel like you glaze over and you're not really interested in me. She says, like, the more I feel like I try to get to know Kyle, she just feels like things are very surface. Like, we can talk about, oh, you look fabulous. I love your bag and that. But, like, once it gets deeper than that, like, it just doesn't happen. Right. And, Kyle's response to that was like but I think you're gorgeous and you're outspoken and I adore you which is a very surface Beverly Hills thing to say it's what you say when you don't really know somebody (laughs) and it's the exact reason I ended up liking Sutton after that dinner party because she announced she was like well I'm gonna end up being so mean because she thought when she when we're talking about first impressions we were really going off of personalities and people not I didn't know what to expect and you're just so fabulous. You're just gorgeous. That's what you are. You're gorgeous. Like, that's all you've developed as a sense of this other person after the many seasons and years of filming together. That's it? But they right. dress well? I mean, it's Beverly Hills. You have a sensible amount of money. <laughs> Everybody dresses well, except for Kyle. <laughs> and, exactly. And Teddy. <laughs> I feel like me and Teddy have the exact same wardrobe. Like just black rompers and wrap dresses and like, you know, little things like the things that you can get at like Express or Target. (laughs) Right. But like if I if I had a body like Teddy, I would not I would not be wearing clothes. I would never wear clothes. I would make it. I'd be wearing everything Erica Jane wears. Exactly. (laughs) Put me what she should be dressing like, looking like that. Put me in, like, just a tube top. I'd be dressing like Sheena Shea every day for every occasion. Every yes. day. <laughs> um, so then what happens? Garcelle's, like, she's like, you know what? Just never mind. Because Kyle turns it right back into, like, self-centered Kyle shit and makes herself the victim. And Garcelle's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm I'm out. She basically just walks away. Kyle's still talking. Doesn't even notice that Garcelle has walked away when she just confronted her about the fact that she feels like she completely, gla- like, she proved her right, right then yep. and there. <laughs> sure did. And, the, you know, like, I feel like I could be doing na- naked cartwheels and Kyle wouldn't even notice. So what? I why- absolutely loved it. She proved both herself and Sutton right. Like, you, Kyle has no interest, but that's also why she has no loyalty. She's not trying to get to know people. Right. And how can you be loyal to somebody that you don't even know? Or don't even want it. Exactly. Um, so then, <laughs> this was like the best part. Lisa and Denise and Kyle or Garcelle are all in the car together. They left, and then we see back at the house, um, Kyle whispers to Teddy that all the girls were being so mean to her, 
And then in the car, Garcelle says, she's like, I feel like Kyle doesn't really check for me like that. And anyway, her outfit was ugly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I just, I, uh, <laughs> warms my heart. Gave me the warm and fuzzy. Not because it's Kyle bashing. I just love the girlness of it. Like the, the right. girl group. And that's one of the reasons I absolutely love Housewives. No matter how boring, no matter what city Women are so complex, and I love, just like Roxanne Gay, the feminist, always says, any platform that we are allowed to consistently be ourselves in every complexity of what that means, I'm here for it. Like, Garcella is this powerhouse. She's an actress. She's still working. She's a mom. She's gorgeous. She's an evolved woman in her divorce. But she is also not afraid to be catty about a bitch's dress. And I'm here for that. I want that life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like you said, like, there's no better thing about being a woman in women to women relationships when you guys are like, you saw that, right? And did you see that? And, what was that? and, what and was we're that? debriefing on the way home, like, what the hell is going on? Like, what? Was that crazy? No, girl, you weren't crazy. <laughs> oh, it's really the best. Um, Lisa Renna is not really saying much because Denise and Garcelle are just going back and forth about like, yeah, Kyle doesn't really go deep with me either. And like she's talks at me and not really to me. And you know, I agree and I agree. And you can tell that Lisa's like bone collecting. She's like, I am loving this. I am having a mm-hmm. great if I need to use this later, I'm gonna use it later and say that I just sat there and said nothing. <laughs> I hope she doesn't use it later because it was great. I mean, they're completely correct, but Lisa was loving it. Loving like, oh, I don't like her either, but I'm also not going to say anything mm. because messy. Mm. I might use this as ammo. <laughs> but we know what Lisa is, and the two women knew they could handle it. That's the fun part. Like, Garcelle and Denise know, I mean, they know they can handle whatever Kyle has, because in the very next scene, we see Kyle, again, going after someone that's not on her level with Erica. And what did she say something like, is it because you don't have real friends? And I was like, you can't deliver such a blow like that while crying and wiping away tears. Right. She, yeah. Cause Erica was like, well, you'd have to admit that like you and Re- Teddy's relationship is weird. And she's like, well, do you think it's weird because you got, you don't really have friends? And Erica was like, uh, Okay. <laughs> like okay I got your number now she's like well yeah, okay girl <laughs> she's like actually she's like you're so out of line I'm not a, I don't even care to be insulted by what you just said I do have friends and I thought that you were one of them and that was basically the end of the episode I love that she did not even give her the time of day to like let that rattle her I saw a lot of people saying things like I can't believe she let her off that easy. And I'm like, I can because so what? First of all, it's her home. She'll shut down whatever the whatever the hell she goddamn wants to. Right. It's her house. And you're not going to disrespect her in her house. And she did it in such a classy, elevated read. And I love elevated read. I, I do too. I, Kyle's so in over her head because all of these women will read the hell out of her and they will be calm and they don't need to yell. We've only really seen Erica yell one time and that was when they were in what Tokyo about her. And really she didn't even like yell. She like growled. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk about my family. I was like, oh shit, don't do that. That was the wrong move. Don't do it. <laughs> um 
Because these people will read her down and they don't have to get to that level like Kyle does. They don't have to start crying. They don't have to scream. They don't have to like stick their finger in their cornea and act like they, you know, to try and get a tear out. And it, it, ooh, Kyle's so in over her head and I'm just loving it. If if I'm loving nothing else from the season, I'm just loving her trying so hard to be an alpha and she she can't do it she doesn't have the range she does not have the you range know, that's not her calling and she needs to just stick to the the, the role god gave her <laughs> if you if we can make predictions for the future if you see it continuing to go down this path with kyle do you think that she'll want to stay next season because i feel like it's going to be really hard for her i I think it's really hit or miss. I actually think it's totally 50-50. I think that this is so not what she expected that she could cower and come back and go back into a role as a beta. I think she's just so overwhelmed. So she might do it because she thinks it's her show. Because I do think her ego is big enough that she would stay simply because she feels like she started it and she's the only OG left. I think the ladies gassed her head up way too much at the reunion and almost on purpose because she's now going to crumble. So I think it definitely depends on how Denise handles her and how the internet handles her. I think that if, you know, the viewers are like, girl, we really saw through your plan. I mean, this had a lot of holes in it and it didn't even work. I think that if she can't control the casting, which she usually has been able to do pretty well, yeah, I don't think she's going to come back. If she can't control, like, Denise not coming back, maybe Doree and her being separated not coming back. If she can't control that, I don't think she's going to come back because I don't think she has the balls to stand up to it. The same ball that they all wanted from LVP, I don't think half that cast has the ones that they wanted her to have. Right. I heard a long time ago that there was a rumor that when they started Beverly Hills, that this was, like, basically Kyle's idea, and that she For had her and her sisters. Yeah, yeah. That she had in her yep. country, like she was not allowed to be fired. And so Yeah, it, I've heard that same rumor. I've heard that it was mainly about the sisters and it became a bigger it became a housewife entity. I mean, most housewives franchises don't start off as that. And I also heard that, you know, allegedly because Kathy wouldn't do it like full time. That, but she is in a lot of scenes in the first season for that reason that, you know, it became like uh, everybody else thing. But if you look at the special treatment alone that they've always, that the sisters have always gotten, I mean, Kim and Kyle get like separate reunion stages. And when Kim got out of rehab, they gave her her own like one-on-one sit down. Like right. there was obviously some things happening. I mean, and Kim was able to leave the show when Kim wanted to. That almost never happens. Like never. Mm-hmm. I'm how how do you how are you grading the season so far? A A I, I mean last season was so lower than F. I, I, again, the bar is in hell. So, but I will say that though I give this season of Beverly Hills, I'd probably say right now like a B. Like we're very sturdy in the middle of a B. Um, that does not mean that it compares to like any other franchise seasons. Like that's it's not the same grading scale. Beverly Hills is on a curve because last season failed. Totally. Yeah, I mean, you can't grade Beverly Hills like you would Atlanta. Certainly not like you would New York. Or like a Potomac. Like where women are doing what they have to do to keep their show on the air. 
not even just like their own checks, but like everybody's checks. Right. Beverly Hills needs to be graded like you would Dallas, I would say. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> oh god. Well, thank you so much for for coming on and talking to me, girl. Where can thank everybody you for having me? Uh, can you want to plug your podcast? Oh, sure. Yeah, you can find me anywhere that you would listen to this, Apple, Spotify, everything else by just searching Mixing with Moni. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. Thank you. What a treat. And I will love to talk to you again soon. Yay. <laughs> All right. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Bye, girl.